Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program and Podcast. So excited that you're here today. On this week's program, um, we're going to have a message that I shared back in 2019 on the idea of freedom. So I pray that this message challenges you and encourages you this week. The God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, teaches us, and what he teaches us from the Scripture has a theme, and that theme at the core is freedom. Freedom runs throughout the text. And I know that we, as we celebrate, we look at this last week, this last week we've we've celebrated freedom, amen? Okay, y'all got to wake up. Come on. I need you guys to wake up, energize your buddy time, let's go. I know some of you maybe stayed up late last night, but we need to get moving. Um... But freedom is at the core of what Jesus Christ teaches us, amen? And and that that theme of freedom runs throughout almost every line of the text. I think of Isaiah chapter 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those that are bound. Jesus Christ is in the business of bringing freedom to men and women, boys and girls, all over the globe. Amen? Amen. Jesus echoed this, this, he echoed Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He almost quotes this text verbatim because he has anointed me. Who's he? God has anointed me to proclaim good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to set those Free that are oppressed. That's Luke 4.18. And so it runs throughout the text that Jesus Christ teaches, preaches, and proclaims freedom. And if you live in the world in which we live, it's not only supported by the text, but you and I have seen men and women in this very church who have been freed from the oppressive nature of sin, death, and hell. We, we've watched it as men and women have been shackled up and captive in the chains of sin and we've watched as the gospel of Jesus Christ has powerfully stepped into their lives and shaken them free. And guys, I want us to see the powerful message that is in the Bible we just, our country is celebrating freedom this week. We're still, I mean, I'm still on my Pandora radio, still getting 4th of July advertisements. So we're still, I mean, we still have freedom on the mind. We've been celebrating it this entire week. 243 years ago, our nation said that they wanted freedom to worship God freely. So a ragtag band of rebels left an oppressive nation and headed towards this landmass we know is America, to pursue freedom of worship. They wanted to worship Jesus freely without being persecuted because it was happening. There was persecution that was happening where they were. And they wanted to worship Christ freely and they wanted to advance the Christian faith. 
So how, how do you know that, Caleb? Are you saying that our country was founded on Christian principles? I am. The, the first document of our organized group called America was the Mayflower, Mayflower Compact. In the beginning of the Mayflower Compact, it says, In the name of God, Amen. That is the first thing it says, and it's exclamation point at the end. And if you continue reading, just a couple of sentences later, it says, Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. I don't know what that means. Can you help me? Oh, it means that having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, and then he continues, and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do these present, we present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another. Covenant, what's a covenant? It's a, 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 a very tightly knit agreement, a covenant, and com we combine ourselves together as a civil body. Guys, the goal of our nation was freedom. That was the goal. And that is the, the goal from Jesus Christ is freedom. You read in the text that we're about to read and you see all through this that this has application for us as Americans in 2019. I get that the, the original text was meant for Israel. I get that. But there is application for America in 2019. Amen? Come on, guys. You guys shoot too many fireworks? Let's go. Come on, come on, come on. The message has application in 2019. And I'm praying that we as a body see and hear this message of hope, freedom, and sovereign grace. So I want us to see this. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, and with great acts of judgment I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Guys, God has a beautiful promise in this text that, they, that He has the power to break us free from the prison cells of our sin. And how do you know that, Caleb, because in the text, every time you see the word Egypt, when you see the word Egypt or Egyptian, you know what that is representing? Sin. Egypt is always a symbol of sin. Throughout the, throughout the text, whenever you see the word Egypt, Egypt is a symbol of sin. So if you want to take your pen and write in there, my sin above the word Egyptians, that takes on a whole new meaning. I am the Lord your God, and I will bring you out from under the burden of your sin. Think about that. Jesus has the power to bring us out of darkness and into the light that is not even worthy to compare with anything else in all of creation. He has promised to hold our hand. You say, hold it, where, what, what, what do you mean there? In Isaiah chapter 42... 
God echoes this again, this, this idea in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. He says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. And I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. Who's that light? Jesus is that light. I am the, I, he wants to, he's, he's promised us here, I'm going to take you by the hand and I will make you, you're mine. You're going to be my people. He's promised to hold our hands with great compassion and love and take us to a promised land that will for all eternity satisfy our souls. He has promised us that He will be our God and that we will be His people. Guys, here's the thing. This should cause in us hope that should spring up in us. This should stir our our affections up for our great King and Savior. But sadly, I think many of us are just like the children of Israel. People don't change. There may be advancements in technology, but people are the same as they were 4,000 years ago as they are today. How do I know? Because the text, look at the text in verse 9. So Moses hears this directly from God. God speaks to Moses and tells him, listen, tell the people of Israel that I'm their God and that I'm going to deliver them from their sins, that I'm going to deliver them from oppression, that I'm going to deliver them from all of these burdens and this slavery. I'm going to redeem them with an outstretched arm. Tell them this. And then Moses tells this to the people, but they did not listen because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Guys, we're just like the children of Israel. You and I are so bogged down in our addictions and in our sins that we do not listen. We ignore the God of the universe because we are so consumed with our own lives that we miss the life that God has promised us. And we're so occupied with our own goals and our own plans that we miss out on what God has called us into. A life that is abundant and has lasting fulfillment. We chase the stuff of the world just like a dog chases his tail. And once we get a hold of whatever we're chasing, we're like, ah, I don't like that. That sort of kind of hurts. I don't know. That's not what I want. I want something else. So we start to chase other things. All the while, the king of the universe, all the while, the king of the universe is ready, willing, and able to transform and bring back to life you and I who were once dead in our trespasses. Some of you in this room possibly even have a broken spirit in this very place. Some of you have lived under harsh slavery of your own sin for far too long. Some of you are living in self-imposed slavery. And you've lived in it for so long that it's just become the norm. It's just sort of kind of been the thing that I'm, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is who I am now. This, and we make these agreements. This is who I am. All the while, the king stands present. And I told you guys this several weeks ago that Jesus is waiting just like he was waiting for the woman at the well. He's waiting. The king is present. He is telling us through the text 
I'm here. I will deliver you from your slavery. I will deliver you from your oppression. I will redeem you. And you will be mine and I'll be your God. And today could be, today is the day of salvation and you and I have the opportunity to repent. Say, Caleb, I, I got saved back in 1974. I'm good. Okay, that's great. I'm really happy that you were saved back in 1974. Or whatever. I'm what, that's wonderful. What fruits are there in your life today that you are living in freedom? Are you, are you bound up with an oppressive, angry, bitter heart? Are you bound up with the idea that, I, you know what, there's nothing really wrong with me, I'm a good guy. Is that, is that where we are? Stop looking at the world around you and thinking it's too big to overcome. Don't Stop thinking, man, you know what, I, I'm, this is where I am, this is who I am, this is the direction I'm going. And stop believing the lies. There's nothing that our great God and King cannot overcome. And the hope for our nation is Jesus Christ. And I know, I know in the world in which we live, we sit around and we look at all the insanity that's happening in the world and we think, man, it's way too, it's too far gone. Like there's no way we can fix this. Have you seen what's going on in our government? It's crazy. There's no way that this can be fixed. It just can't. I disagree. Jesus can fix anything. Amen? Come on. Jesus can fix anything. The hope of our nation is Jesus Christ. The hope of our city is Jesus Christ. The hope of our homes is Jesus Christ alone. And some of us, I believe, need to take a moment and be still before Jesus and listen to what he's saying to us. Now, because here, here's what happens. I want you to reread this text and I want us to rethink about this idea of freedom. Let's reread this because we'll get to it. Just reread it. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I'll bring you into the land that I swore to give that I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. So that, there's what Jesus is offering. That is what God is proclaiming over us today. But here's the thing. The enemy, Satan, likes to step in. And here's what Satan does. Satan shouts in our ears. I used to think he whispered. He doesn't whisper much anymore. He's pretty loud and vocal. Amen? He gets really loud. And he shouts every day opposing views into our ears. He opposes what God says. And so often what we do is we listen to what's being shouted into our ears rather than what's being whispered into our hearts. So I want you to look at this. When God says, I am the Lord your God and I will bring you out from under the burden of your sin, here's, what two, here's two things that the enemy will do. Number one, he'll say something like this. There's no way that God can forgive you for that. There's no way that God can deliver you. He can't bring you out from under that burden. That's the first thing. And what's really, as I've been watching human beings over the last six to eight years, I've been fascinated to see this. 
that it's no longer Satan saying, God can't love you. It's the idea of, why do you want to be released from this? You're not, that's not sinful. That's not a bad choice. You don't need to be freed from that. You, that, that, thing, that thing that you're doing right now, that life you're living, that's not a burden that you need to be released from. You don't need to be delivered. You are who you are. Just enjoy yourself. That's what the enemy says. The enemy is the father of what? Lies. He's the father of lies. And what the father of lies does is he comes into your life, into my life, and he starts to... Man, we're really good at justifying our lifestyles. We're good at justifying if we've got greed, anger, whatever it is. We've got every, anything. This is who I am, and this is just, I was, and this is the new, I was just born that way. This is who I was. I'm a redhead. I'm just angry. I was just born this way. Tucker's, Tucker's excited about it. But that's, that's what we start, we start to, the enemy tells us these lies and shouts these lies and says, this is who you are, this is who you are, don't be ashamed, just stand up and live your life. And we, and we, get, we get emboldened with that. We're like, yeah, it sounds good in our ears. Our flesh likes that idea that, yes, I, you know what? I, I can live any way I want. I can say the things that I want. And guess what? I've got freedom to say what I want because look at me, I'm an American. <laughs> I can do what I want. I don't need to be delivered. I'm not under harsh slavery. I I don't need to be redeemed with an outstretched arm. I don't need that. And, you know, I really don't need to be coddled by this God. I don't need a God. I don't need to be God's. I'm my own God. I, I have my own destiny. I chart my own course. I do my own thing. I don't need to do these things. I don't need to be someone's people. I don't need God to be my God. I don't need to be delivered from my sin because you know what? Who are you to say I'm sinful? Who are you to judge me? Hateful bigot. Is that, what does that sound like? Does that sound like the world in which we live? Anyone that says, listen, if anyone comes to you and says, listen, man, I, I think that's sinful. You, you shouldn't do that. Well, who are you? Who are you to say that about me? So the enemy is really good at twisting and causing us to believe a lie that we're okay. He, he, he twists in, he comes and says, you know what, you're not that bad of a guy. I used to think that, you know, it used to say, you know, no one can, which he still, in, in certain cases, will do this, where he, where he says, I am the Lord your God, and I'll bring you out from under the burden of, your, of the Egyptians, under the burden of your sin. The enemy sometimes twists and says, there's no way that God can forgive you. You've, <laughs> you're way too far gone. You're way too far gone. There's no way that you can be redeemed, which is a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. I remember having a conversation with a guy named Jason sitting in this church. I was actually somewhere over in this vicinity, sitting in two chairs, and he said, Caleb, I think I'm too far gone. I think it's too late for me. So are you still breathing, my friend? Well, yeah. If you're still breathing, it's not too late. Amen? 
If you're still breathing, it's not too late. But this is what the enemy does, is he gets in and he twists these things, and he says a couple, he says these different things about us, just like the children of Israel. Moses tells us through the text, I could, God offers freedom. God offers forgiveness. God offers redemption. God offers all of this beautifulness for you. That he'll be your God. Like, he will be your God and you will be his people. Like, that gives you family lineage there. That gives you access to walk into the throne room. If you're a king's kid, you have access into the throne room. Amen? You don't have to, I don't have to go through a court or a committee. I know we're Baptists, we're, we love committees. And I know we, I don't have to go through a committee to get to Jesus. I can walk right in. So yes, that's a beautiful thing. I do want God to take me as His and He be my God. I do want God. That's what I want. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. The enemy doesn't want you to want that. The enemy wants you to think, you know what, I'm okay. And if you walk through this town right now, and you walk up and you ask the question like Ray Comfort does to everybody around, he says, do you consider yourself to be a good person? Do you want most, 99.9% of the people in this town will do? Well, yeah, I am. I'm a good person. I don't cheat on my spouse. I don't cheat on my taxes. I don't do this. I don't do that. We have this list of morality that we live in. We have this moralistic deism. We check these boxes. I occasionally even go to church. <laughs> Look at me. I'm awesome. So we believe our own goodness when, what's the text say? Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. So we have to have somebody that's going to step in to be our God and to make us His. But we don't listen just like the children of Israel because we've lived under this, this broken spirit, I, this whole a broken spirit and these, this harsh slavery that is for most of us self-imposed. And we don't listen. We don't listen to the God of the universe. We listen to our own. You know, I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, follow your heart. It will show you the direction you need to go. I'm like, that's a dumb piece of advice. Don't ever follow your own heart. Because the Bible says that your heart is desperately wicked. Who can, who can know it? Because your heart might say, oh, you know what? She looks pretty. Wait, 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 you're married. I know, but my heart says she's pretty. I need to go. Well, dummy, don't do that. That's crazy. But this is where we are in America in 2019 is we're not listening to Jesus. We're, we're, we're listening to the lies that sh are shouted into our ears every day. And what's even more terrifying is not only that, but because there comes a point where you, you live in your sin for so long and you chase your sin for so long and you believe the lies and you believe the enemy for so long. Second Thessalonians says that Jesus will even help you to believe that lie. That's, that's crazy. Like, not crazy and say, but like crazy scary. That if you love and chase your sin for that long, you're like, man, I am going to do this. I am going to, I am, I can do what I want. I can sleep with who I want. I can have this. I can do blah, blah, blah. Just go and do whatever I want. I don't have to have any, there's no rules. I can do what I want. And you chase that for so long that the enemy, not, not only the enemy lies to you, but then the God of the universe says, okay, you want to believe that? Let me help you, and I'm going to cause you to believe that lie that you're already believing. Like, that's, that's crazy, and that's the world in which we live because we've got so many people that are just emboldened to this lie that this is who I am, and I can do what I want. I can do with my body, my choice. I can do whatever I want. 
right? It's the world in which we live. I can do whatever I want with me because I'm me. But here's the deal. What I do with my life doesn't affect anybody else. Uh, Negative Johansson, as David says. It affects people. The decisions I've made personally in my own life in the last 20 years have affected some of you in this room. They just have. You don't get to sin in isolation. I'd love to be able to sin in isolation. But every time you sin, there's collateral damage. When you sin, when I sin, there's collateral damage. And that's the problem in which we live is we're not listening to the God of the universe because we're so entrenched in our sin and our sorrows and our addictions that we don't listen. All the while, Jesus says, listen, patiently, God is patient, amen? He is so patient and He is so good to us. If I was, anybody in the room ever thought, I wish I was God for five minutes? Oh, come on, am I, am I the only one? All right, a couple, Joe, maybe just for a second, you had a split second wish. There wouldn't be a lot of people left. <laughs> Amen? All right, fair enough. But thank God I'm not God, and He is. Amen? Because He is slow to anger. Anybody else in the room slow to anger? I didn't think so. All right, cool. He's offering to us Forgiveness, redemption, everlasting life, hope, and freedom. Guys, this is the time that we as Christians, we, we celebrate freedom here in our country. We celebrate, we, we, we promote it. We have all, you know, we just had a giant celebration, a parade that just said, freedom! You were just excited. We blow up stuff. Free, uh, anybody else? I love blowing stuff up. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Good. We got excited about that. David and I got creative and took the big thing that we got that may, may or may not be legal and put it into a big swimming pool and saw, thought, wonder what it will do, and then put it on a slow-mo video. It was awesome. It was, it was neat. It just... You know, that's, we love this idea of that we're celebrating our freedoms. We're celebrating this stuff. But guys, I'm scared that some of us are believing the lies that are shouted into our ears rather than what's being whispered into our hearts. And we're saying, yeah, I've got the freedom to do this. I've got the freedom to do this. Man, sometimes, what's the, with, free, with, with great freedom, there comes great responsibility. There's great responsibility with this freedom that we've been given. And what we need to be doing as Christ followers, this applies to us, because this is talking about the children of God, the children of Israel. I'm talking, he's talking to, the application is, this is, you, you say, well, I'm not a child, I'm not a children, I'm not an Israelite. Were you adopted into the family? Just asking. Ephesians chapter 1 says that you were adopted as sons. So if I'm adopted into the family, am I part of the family? Okay, so we're adopted into the family here. So this has application into your life. 
And I'm telling you, and I think honestly, the bulk of men and women that are sitting in churches today, the sins that they have are not sins of, they're not committing, not like egregiously going out and committing things, <laughs> like thinking how they can like destroy the world. It's sins of omission, what we're omitting from our lives, what we're ignoring. God puts on our hearts to say, listen, go share the gospel. No, I can't do that. People might think I'm crazy. Here's the thing. The Bible promises that if you follow Christ, people will think you're crazy. So why don't we just own that? Just own it. I'm fine with that. Just own it. What if God has me go do things and be a part of things that I don't, I don't know? What if I have to go to this guy's house that I don't like? What if I have to go extend mercy to somebody that I don't think deserves mercy? Well, then you're living out the gospel because how many of us in the room deserve mercy? None of us. We all deserve justice. What would it look like if we as Christians started believing our own message of, okay, how can I extend mercy? How can I extend grace? How can I extend forgiveness to people that are around me? How can I show off the gospel? How can I do this? What would it look like if we started saying, Jesus, I want to be delivered from this sin that I'm in. I want to be delivered from this addiction that I'm in. I want to be delivered from this and I want to live in freedom. And God, I want you to be my God and I want you to take me to this promised land that you promised to give. And God, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't listen. I'm sorry that I didn't listen before, but now I'm listening, Father. Maybe some anybody in the room had to walk through a circumstance where it caused you to listen? Not me. There's certain things that will wake you up. And God knows exactly where to put His finger into your life to cause you to wake up. Amen? He knows exactly where to push the little part of your heart and say, Hey, brother. Hey, little sister. Wake up. Come on. And there's times that that's necessary. But guys, I'm telling you that we need to move from the position of not listening into a listening position. And that's often a humble heart. Bob Goff has said it. Humble voices carry much further than a prideful, arrogant, angry, haughty voice. Amen? Somebody walks in, they got a prideful, arrogant, I'm the man. How many of y'all want to listen to that? Like, mm, I don't know about that. But if somebody's got a humble attitude and, a, and, a, and an attitude of, of reverence, they're just like, man, that guy's, wow. Man, I think of people like Billy Graham. A man who had massive amounts of influence over millions of people. But he lived a humble life. Did not have flashy, arrogant tones. He was very gracious in his responses to people. He just was. This is what we're called to do. Is we're called to live a life that 
is a life of freedom, but we have to listen to what Jesus has done on our behalf in order for us to be living this life of freedom. We need to move from being entrenched in those sins and those addictions and all the things that we're so prone to like want to excuse our life behaviors for and say, okay, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I will commit I will be committed to what you've called me to do. I will repent of where I need to repent and I will follow and I will move in a direction that says you are the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through you and I accept that and I believe that and I love you, Father, and I want to know you and I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter and I want you to be my Father. I want you to be my God. I want you to be my Heavenly Father. And guess what? Right here in the text, it tells us that that is what will happen. Amen? That that is what will happen to you and I. So that's what I hope for us today. Is that we'll find this message of freedom that is at the core of what Christ teaches us. And that we will say from this point on, God, I will do whatever it takes for you to be glorified in my own life. And as a result of that, freedom will ensue in your life it'll come out of your life freedom will come from being obedient when you're obedient to jesus freedom will come now if you are disobedient to jesus you're going to be shackled up in chains you will be shackled in your own personal prison i think of the text the story in luke where the guy had a debt and he went to the guy that he had the debt against said, "Please, I, I, I don't have the money. Please forgive me. And the guy forgave him. And then he went, found the other guy that owed him money. It was just a, a little tiny minuscule amount of money and shook him and said, give me, your, give me what I owe you. And he said, please have mercy on me. Please have mercy and let me pay my debt. Just have mercy and give me time. And he said, no, no, nah, I'm not going to. I'm going to throw you into prison. Well, the master heard about this and said, no, 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 I'm going to reinstate this debt. And I will keep you in prison until you pay. What is, pay what's owed. What was owed? Forgiveness. Some of you are shackled up in your own personal prison of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, and you will not be released from that prison until you forgive and be obedient to what the Bible calls you to do. To love people even though they're difficult. To forgive even those that are unforgivable. That's what the text tells us to do. To love those that are unlovable and to forgive those that are unforgivable because Jesus does the exact same thing for you. When Jesus loves you, he's loving somebody that's unlovable. When Jesus forgives you, he's forgiving somebody that's unforgivable. How beautiful is that make our God that he's willing to love us and forgive us anyways? Yes! That's awesome! I love that! Love that! So on this week that we celebrate freedom... I want us to have our confidence laid in the text and say, God, you are the God who is the one who brings freedom. You're the one who delivers us from our sins. You're the one who brings us redemption. You're the one who ultimately saves and rescues us. Because that is the message of the gospel at its core. Amen? Stand. Joe, would you dismiss this in prayer?